Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. The next generation Bona Premium Spray Mop for hardware floors includes a microfiber cleaning pad and hardwood floor cleaner all in one wonderful package. Together, the mop and cleaner provide an effective clean, which is quick, easy to use, and leaves no dulling residue. It's the perfect solution for simply beautiful floors. Bona Premium Spray Mop is available at most retailers where floor cleaning products are sold on Amazon and Bona.com. To receive exclusive offers and to learn more, visit Bona, B-O-N-A, dot com slash happy hour. Guys, happy March. We've made it to March. March is one of my favorite months for a couple of reasons. We start to see spring. March Madness is here, and I love basketball, especially I love basketball in the playoffs. The season's quite long, but happy March. I must say, to start off the show, tomorrow's my dad's birthday. So happy birthday, dad. Him and my mom listen to the show every week. I'm so thankful. March is going to be a great month on the happy hour. This month, we have Shruti Parker, Laura Casey, and Jennifer Welker all with amazing stories of God's faithfulness on their lives through choosing Jesus over their parents' religion, to staying in a marriage when it was just plain hard, and getting on the other side of infidelity in your marriage. All three amazing shows full of wisdom, laughter, and just plain good conversations. And today, the show is also just as great as all the three others coming up in March. And today we have Emily P. Freeman. So Emily was on the show forever ago. She was actually on episode number 51. So if you feel like going back in time to listen to Emily and I talk for the first time, all the way back to episode number 51. And today's episode 235. Isn't it crazy? Anyhow, Emily has a new book coming out on April 2nd called The Next Right Thing. Now, if you're a podcast junkie like I am, then hopefully you have been listening to her podcast titled The Same Thing, The Next Right Thing. If not, Here's my encouragement to you for today. Go right now and download it. Even before you finish this episode, friends, it is that good. First of all, Emily is someone that I could listen to talk forever because her voice is so soothing. I wanna pull up a chair and get close whenever she talks. Secondly, she is so wise and I respect her so much. On today's show, we talk about where this idea came from and what her hope is for the reader and the listener of her show, sometimes making the decisions that haunt us that are seem so big and large and we just don't know what to do. Emily's just talking about the next right thing. We also talk about writing. If you've ever thought about becoming a writer, it's a great show. She's a great freebie for you that she mentions at the end of the show. So stick around for that. Friends, one of the things that really helps us at the happy hour is when you rate and review the show. First of all, when you subscribe, it helps us. Some of you don't listen to the show through your app. You listen on the webpage. If you wanna make sure that you get this show every single week, go to your podcast app and subscribe. No matter where you listen, Stitcher, Apple, it doesn't matter. Subscribe to the podcast and it shows up every single week. The next thing that really helps us is if you were to rate and review the show, you do that over on iTunes. You can go to jamieivy.com slash iTunes. We'll take all your five-star ratings and we'll take all your awesome reviews, not because we need our ego to be told that we're awesome. Nope. But because ratings and reviews help other people find the show. Okay. Two more things to tell you before we get started. First, we've made some fun shareables for Instagram for you to post. So check out my Instagram this week at jamieivy and you'll be able to see the shareables that we have for you. Also, guys, 
Be sure and check out my webpage to see where I'll be traveling and speaking in the next few months. I always love meeting listeners. Literally, I'm a hugger. You've heard me say it before. You come up to meet me in line and I'm gonna say, come in close, I'm gonna give you a hug. So if you don't wanna hug, you better stick your hand out first. But I still might hug you guys because I just cannot stop telling you thank you for listening. JamieIvy.com slash calendar is where you find out where I'm going. I'm coming to Visalia. Is that how you say it? I hope so. California. Dallas, Texas for the Sparrow Conference. I'm going to Los Angeles for Catalyst West. I'm going to Kansas City, Missouri for the conference that Jennifer Allwood's putting on. And I'm going to be in Omaha, Nebraska at Christ Community Church on Mother's Day. That's where I'm going to be. Check it out. Okay, you guys, that's enough. I told you about the guests we're having this week. I asked you to rate and review. We've got some Instagram shareables. I told you where I'm going, but this is what you came here for. You want to hear Emily P. Freeman and I talk about all the amazing things. Here is my conversation with Emily. Emily, welcome to the happy hour. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad you're here um, all the way in Austin, Texas on a beautiful day. Beautiful day. It's so beautiful. Where do you live? North Carolina. I can't remember if it's north or south. It's north. I'm going to North Carolina this weekend. Are you? Mm-hmm. What are you doing in North Carolina this weekend? A conference at winter in Winterville, North Carolina. Yep. Yeah, I'll be there. Is it cold there right now? I mean, it's cold. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be ready. But it was cold here yesterday. I know it was. Mm. It was. Um, Well, welcome back to the happy hour. Thanks for having me back. You've been here before. And your sister was on this year too. I know. So fun. What is y'all's, what is your maiden name? Moreland. So we have the Moreland sisters in 2019. Mm -hmm. I'm so happy to host (laughs) y'all. So fun. Uh, Okay. So we're here because we're going to talk about you have a book coming out. In the time we're recording this, what are you like six weeks out? Yep. It's called The Next Right Thing. Indeed it is. And I'm going to tell you, I was listening to your podcast this morning while taking my kids to school. I make my kids listen to all kinds of podcasts. <laughs> do you listen to podcasts when you're with your kids in the car or I do, do they hate it? I do sometimes, but no, I mean, not usually. I listen on speed and a half. Okay. And my kids hate that. Mm-hmm. They're like, mom, it actually hurts my ears. I'm like, You'll, you're fine. Just listen. But we're also, I'm also listening through the Bible chronologically and we're in Leviticus right now. So that I think they're happy when a podcast About comes time. on. Oh, right. <laughs> We're like, this is this is awful. Do you listen to Leviticus time and a half? No, I wish I could okay. because I'm kind of ready to get through it. But I have to remind myself all of God's word is beneficial and truthful and it is good for me. <laughs> but I'm ready to be done with Leviticus. Um, anyhow, I'm listening to your podcast this morning and I'm thinking to myself, you have one of the best podcast voices I've ever heard. Thanks, Jamie Ivy. Have you heard that before? People have, I've had that a few times. I'm sure you have. Yeah. It literally makes me want, I think I could listen to your show for hours on end because I feel calm when you speak. Well, I hope you do listen to it for hours on end. That would be like months worth of content because each episode is only like 15 minutes long. Which is great too. Yeah. Yeah. How long have you been podcasting? I started in August of 2017. Okay. Do you love it? I love it. I I thought I might like it, and I thought I had maybe ten episodes in me. Okay, it's gonna be like a mini, kind of a small. Yeah, one. I was like, well, yeah. I'll do this for as long as it's fun, and for as long as I feel like I can, you know, if people are listening, even if they weren't. I mean, I didn't know if anybody would listen at first, so I started out. I'm like, well, this will be fun to try out. Yeah, and I love it. I absolutely love it, and I love. It's been fun to meet other people who podcast too through it because they're like the coolest people ever, and it's a fun little gig, isn't it? It is a fun. So, little how gig. many episodes have you released? More than ten, obviously. I'm at right now as of this talking mm-hmm. 71 congratulations thank you congratulations so you started this podcast called the next right thing i did can you tell me where this came from well the phrase the next right thing has been around forever i definitely didn't come up with it it's been said by Anne lamott mother Teresa, martin luther king jr 
Alcoholics Anonymous talks about doing the next right thing. Um, so it's a phrase that I've heard for years and have held on to in my own life because it's been in many ways in different times of my life, it's been kind of a life-saving mindset because I can tend to get, you know, overcome with the big picture and uh, doing all the things rather than just the next right thing. But I started to really um, think about it in terms of me offering, kind of exploring it on my own. First, I thought, this decision-making process is really fascinating to me because unmade decisions hold a lot of power in our lives. When we have a decision that needs to be made, it can it, it just becomes, it can become a distracting part of our day and our life and our week until the decision is made. This is so true. I mean, I feel like I am not going to tell you all the decisions I'm trying to make right now, right. but I'm experiencing what you're saying. And they're distracting, right? It's very distracting. And it's always kind of right there. And you, and sometimes, I mean, some people, I think, sometimes we make decisions that we later regret only because the pain of holding an unmade decision was so heavy. We're like, I just got to get through this and I just got to make mm. it move on. Um, or others of us are afraid of making the wrong decisions. So we hold out, hold out, hold out. And then that causes more trouble. You know, it's a whole vicious cycle. It Jamie. is a whole cycle. It really is. So for me, I was carrying um, some decisions in my own life and I started to, and that was sort of the catalyst of me paying attention to like, wow, this unmade decision is causing me to listen to sermons more closely. It's causing me to have different kinds of conversations with people. It's I'm paying attention to things that I wasn't paying attention to before I had this decision to make. And then as a writer, because I think my job as a writer is to pay attention to the world around me and how it interacts with the world within me. And so, of course, I started paying attention to how I was paying attention. Mm. And I recognized that power of the unmade decision and how it was often uh, an opportunity to pray differently, to interact with God differently, and to connect with my community differently than I would if I didn't have that decision to make. So I started taking notes, thinking like, maybe this decision-making process, maybe it's not just me. I think everybody gets distracted by unmade decisions, and it can really be a spiritual formation opportunity for us in our lives. So I thought, this, this, is, this is coming to me as my other books had come to me. And I thought that's what it was. So I started taking notes and trying to outline. I was like, January of, was it like January of 2016? I think I thought, that's what I'm going to start outlining my next book on decision-making. Listen, nothing came. It would not come out right. It wasn't coming out right. And I thought, okay, well, it was a fun run, but I'm done writing books, I guess, because I've forgotten <laughs> I, how to do it. How often have we all felt, well, I'm done. It's over. I, I can never I do this again. Never doing it. I think that about parenting. Right. Though. I mean, there's lots of areas where that comes up, but but it was maybe, it was around that same time that I started really listening to podcasts. I was listening to audiobooks more. And also I was on the scripture reading team at my church where I was just, you know, literally we get up, we read scripture. Um, this is the word of the Lord. It's given to us in love. Absolutely true. And I got to say that, you know, several times a month on the scripture reading team. And there was something really powerful about using my actual voice and speaking it out into the room. And I thought, uh, somehow those two things started to come together, this decision-making idea and um, this compulsion almost I felt to use my actual voice to speak words because I've been a writer for so long and I'm a speaker, but I more write. Like that's yeah. more what I do. And I found there was... Um, there was just a different way of exploring this concept when I got to talk through it. And it was coming out almost episodically in my mind. Like it wasn't this long narrative arc with a beginning, middle, and end. It was more like, here's a 10-minute idea I want to think about. Here's another 15-minute. And I'm like, if only there was a medium where you could talk for 10 minutes and people could listen. <laughs> Welcome to podcast. Yes. And then August of 2017, that's when it You launched it. That's Thinking you might just do 10. Thinking I might and just do a 70. Yeah. And 
I'm just so, I was so intrigued this morning as I was listening. I listened to two this morning. I was catching up and I just thought, it's so interesting to me that you have 71 episodes about making decisions, the next right thing. And I'm like, I know. how are we still coming up with things? But then I was like, oh, this is so relative. This is so good. I know. I sometimes think that too, Jamie, like, wow, how do I, <laughs> but I still have more to say. And I think it's just because it is always, it's something we're always doing. Like we never get to a point in our lives where we're like, well, I'm done making my decisions now. And now I can just continue. It's all, there's always more layers, season of life changes. There's just always more to it. And so I just try to take notes and pay attention to that. And you do that. Like, I just wanted to tell you this morning when I was listening, you do such a phenomenal, you're a great storyteller. Thank you. Your voice is soothing. You're telling this story. I can tell that you're a great writer because you're writing this out. But then at the end, you like draw everything back where I felt like you were talking just to me. I'm like, how does she know I have these decisions to make? And time is not on my side right now. This is more (laughs) about time. I was like, this is so crazy. And so there's so many things in there. But I love to, I want to ask you this. You said earlier about, how making decisions, you started to see it kind of change your spiritual rhythms. Yeah. You're praying more. You're listening more. I think that's something that we might not realize is happening to us, or we might just think, oh, I'm praying more because I need more help from God. Right. But you started to notice this playing out in different ways. What did that look like personally for you in different times of making decisions? You know, it's funny because I did start to notice it in the middle of those decision-making things. I started noticing that, okay, I have this decision to make and I am praying more and I am paying attention more in the sermons. And there are ways in which I'm paying attention differently. Um, but on the other side of the decision, I've I've recognized how helpful it is when I already have those rhythms in place so that it's almost like the difference between um, being someone who lives a life of reflection and who can move forward understanding what past decisions I've made and how they've informed my life versus being someone who, when a decision comes past or, you know, across my lap, I have to make a pro-con list real quick because I have to figure out what I got to do. And that just, the pro-con list way, while it can be helpful and informative in some ways, I found that rarely leads me to make my decision. Like make a pro-con list and then it's going to tell me what to do. Like that doesn't really ever quite work. It just makes the decision harder. In real life. Right. Uh Because everything weighs different amounts and it's Mm -hmm. all different. You can't really quantify it that way. But I have found that um, this concept of developing a a rhythm of life, St. Benedict called it a rule of life, a way to um, live my life in a way where I'm naturally putting myself in God's path on purpose. He's always with me, but I think it's not necessarily for him. It's for me to recognize that he's here with me and having some of those established rhythms that are simple, like a morning routine and, you know, recognizing his presence with me throughout the day through different things that I might do or might not do. Yeah. Is been really helpful for me. So what you're saying to us is developing these kind of rhythms and patterns in your life are not necessarily just so that when the decision comes, like it's good, but you're saying when I develop these, when I have to make a decision, my brain is already like, it is already moving in those ways to make the decision easier. Wouldn't it be great if we didn't have to wait until a decision was made and then we figure out, oh, what is it that this life giving to me? What is it that I love? What is it that I feel connected to? What if we had a lifestyle Uh that supported that already on this end so that when those decisions come, I'm not saying the decisions will be easy, but I do think we'll be in a better position to make them with a a whole heart than we would be if we weren't living within those rhythms in the first place. It's so intriguing. And I I think 
I think you're on to something, Emily, Girl, <laughs> as if I you don't I know. Am. But it is so intriguing because I'm, when I'm looking back as you're talking, I'm thinking about some big like life or job or family decisions that we've had to make. And I do, I sense it in those times I find myself pouring myself into scripture, pouring myself into messages, listening to podcasts about that, asking for people's advice everywhere. And I can see like, man, if I had added some of those rhythms to more consistently, I might not have felt so stressed in the decision-making. I think it would have still been a hard decision, but I would have had a little bit of more breathing room in that decision, which is so great. Um, Okay, so I think making decisions can be super difficult sometimes. And I know you mentioned to me that you have a class. I do have a For class. all of us, like me and everyone that's listening, tell me what I need. I did because I felt like that while the book can, st- while the book stands alone in developing a path for s- simple, soulful decision-making, I did think it's helpful to have um, a rhythm of life already established that helps you make those when the decisions come. And so I created a class to help. I really walk people through. The, the class is called Discern and Decide, and it's all about developing a personal rhythm of life so that when those decisions come— they might feel like they're not quite so stressful. There still could be stressful, but maybe not quite yeah. so stressful. But the class is available um, for free for anybody who, who pre-orders the book. That's awesome. Okay, we'll put a link in the show notes. We'll make sure you know how to get there. Just go to my webpage. You can figure it out. Uh, but take the class. I need to take it because I need some rhythms in my life to make <laughs> these things easier. I want to ask you this real quick. This kept popping in my head. Are you an Enneagram person? I am. What number are you? I'm a four. Okay, have we had very many fours on the show? I don't think so. Have you not? I need to keep a running Ooh. tally of everyone's number that comes on. I wonder if there's I wonder if there's a number that you have had more often than any other number. Do you think? You know, that would be interesting to find out. It would be. We should send a survey to our guests that have been on. Suzanne Stabile says the most people in the world are sixes. Because are you a six? I'm a six. Okay. I think that's why I like that fact so much. I'm like, <laughs> there's a lot of people like me, you guys. Right. So get used to me. But when you're talking about rhythms, decision-making— I just had this conversation at my Bible study this morning. We were talking about um, in Galatians where Paul says that the law doesn't justify us. We're justified by faith alone. And I already told you, I'm in my Bible reading Leviticus, which is all the laws to the people, crazy laws to the people. And so Paul's telling them this. And we had the discussion, I wonder if more, depending on your Enneagram number, do you struggle more with, I need to, I need the laws, do everything right? I'm thinking about our conversation we're having right now. I'm wondering with people's different Enneagram numbers, is it easier for them to find rhythms? Is it easier for them to make decisions? What do you, Have you thought about this at all? I've thought a lot about this, actually. And do you have an answer for me? I don't know if I have an answer for you, but I do have a further conversation note. <laughs> I love it. Which is, um, in fact, I created a quiz that you can just take for free because it's super fun. Because qu- everybody likes quizzes, I love right? A quiz. Tell me, tell to, me about myself, Emily. To discover your decision-making tendency, which is, do I lead with my head, my heart, or my intuition? And this really falls really nicely into the Enneagram conversation because there are those sort of three quadrants, the head, heart, and the gut. I say intuition because I don't like the word gut. I don't know. It sounds like, it's like a prettier word than can gut. Can I change gut yeah, to intuition? Yeah. My, my intuition gut- Makes yes. me think like I have some issues. Like I need it's to get like a bowel. Exactly. Like, I don't yeah, yeah, like yeah. that no. word. <laughs> it's like my dad calls like the toilet the pot. It's so crude. That is so funny. <laughs> okay. Your your little three head, heart, intuition. Yes. And I and I so I think we all have a we all have access to all three, but we probably lead with one or the other. So when it comes to making decisions, for example, someone in the headspace would probably look more at the pros and cons, do the research, find all the facts, and their decision would be more heavily based on that. Whereas for me, 
I'll look at that, but I will, in the end, I want my decision as a four on the Enneagram to really reflect like my inner values and my the meaning that I find in life and connection. And if I make a decision, even if it looks like quote unquote, the right decision, if it doesn't feel right to me, then I worry about it. Yeah. Then it becomes like, oh, that's when I second guess. So it's not so much like, was this right or wrong? Globally, it's more, was this right or wrong for me and my inner life, you know? Yeah. And to me, that's how everybody makes decisions. But in fact, that is not true. It's not true. It's not true. And it's fascinating to study that. And to have conversations with people who are like, you know, one thing I've asked people is like, you know, do you, it's, the question is something like, um, it's okay to make decisions using your intuition, yes or no. And it's like, some people would be like, oh, you have to use your intuition. Like you have to trust your gut. And other people are like, that is weird. Don't do it. It's It's, completely dangerous. It's so funny, isn't it? Yeah. I have a friend who, in her dream world, wants to write a Bible study about how different numbers deal with their sin. Ooh. Because just like even this conversation about making decisions or the conversation about following the law, and then sometimes I'm even thinking about that more as a teacher. When I am I teaching, you know, this, I'm teaching out of John 4 this weekend. Mm. Am I thinking, what would everyone who might deal with different feelings of shame before the Lord, how would they deal with that shame Right, in a different way yes. based on their personality? It's so intriguing to me. It's fascinating. And we all, because we do see it through the lens of our own experience. Exactly. And then we'll teach from that place. But in fact, there are eight or 16 or a million different other yeah. ways that people might see things based on their own experience. And so it is, it's an interesting study to do as a teacher or communicator to think yeah. about this is my experience, but it might not be her experience. Good thing I'm a six, and so there might be a lot of sixes in the room. That's right. You've got you've got the stats on your side. I keep thinking that. Like, okay, you got this. You got this. Um, I, I'm fascinated by the Enneagram um, so much. And in fact, we're about to go through, I don't know if you've ever done this. I've read the books, but we're going to go through with my Bible study group, the study guides. And so some of the girls are super nervous. Like oh. if they had this idea, if I find out my number, is it bad? Are people not going to like my number? And so just having the conversations right. of, there's no bad number. There's no bad number. There's no bad number. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. But it is a, it is um, revealing mm-hmm. and it's vulnerable. And, you know, to, to sort of admit what that is, because then you, people who read about it, all you have to do is just do a quick five-minute reading and you can know a lot about a person exactly. sometimes. What is your husband? He's a two. Okay. Which is interesting. We're both in the heart space. Yeah. And sometimes that serves us really well. Yeah. And then other times it's the absolute worst. Oh, I can see that. Because we can't always pull each other out. And we share a line. If any, you know, if you know yeah. about the lines on the Enneagram, um, he'll go to, he, he's sort of, I don't know how the wording actually is supposed to be said. And I'm sure Suzanne could yeah. correct She'll me. correct us. But the, he's, he, when he's in a good space or he'll go to four in a positive way, the creativity, but I go to his in like when I'm not Stress. doing so great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I sort of present the worst side of a two is when I'm not in a great space. So I don't know what that means exactly for the us. The worst but. side of a two is like, that's a hard place to be in, it's I'm a sure. Hard yeah, yeah. Because you're like, I'm helping everybody and I'm mad about it. <laughs> and I'm so mad about yes, it. It's yeah. the worst. It's the worst. <laughs> um, okay, so your husband um, is a two. Now, we haven't mentioned you have three kids. We do. Two daughters in ninth grade. I have a ninth grade boy. Yes, that's yes, right. I'm liking ninth grade so far. It's been good. So far, so good. Yep. Yeah. And good. then you also have a sixth or seventh grade son. Sixth grade son. Sixth grade son. Okay. So you're in this whole new teenage realm like I am as well. Yeah. And it's a different thing. You mentioned something to me that I am dying to talk about because I think it is so important. You said you're having to learn to be okay with your kids not being okay. Oh, yeah. Let's let's talk about this for a minute. 
Tell me what you mean by that first, and then let's set up our conversation that way. Well, I think that has been for me, it's like the simplest thing to say, learning to, as a parent, to be okay, even when my kids aren't okay. But I'm discovering for me, that is the like the key to feeling like a healthy parent and to moving through the world as a parent. Because if I base my okayness on their well-being, then no one's okay. Exactly. And so... As an adult, when I look in my, I, you know, my parents are still married. They're still alive. It's great. It's fantastic. We're close. But we, even now, as a grown-up person, um, it is so comforting to me when I'm able to call my mom as a grown-up and my drama that I'm telling her about in my life, which I sometimes do, does not um, spin her out into crazy because she will sometimes feel so protective of me. Even now as a grown up, she will, she'll be like, well, you should need to tell her this blah, 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 blah. And she gets crazy. And then I want to hang up because I'm like, I called you so that I could, your okayness could rub off on me. Not so that you would also come down in this craziness with me. And so I've learning to translate that into my relationship with my own kids, since I'm still on that, like definitely front lines of parenting with them being these ages and realizing like, oh, that's what they need from me. They don't need me to get crazy and to like lose my head about, you know, the person that said this thing to them at school and their feelings are hurt and, or whatever the thing is, they need me to be grounded with Jesus, to listen and be calm. Now, I, do I always do this? No, but I found it's so effective when I'm able to, and they can sort of run out their own steam of emotion or frustration or anger in the safety of a solid presence of me as their mom. That's when I found parenting to be really rewarding. When you can be that kind of yeah. safe, secure landing yeah, like a, spot. Yeah. Like a fixed point uh-huh. in a crazy world. Yeah. If we could offer we that to our kids. That, right? Oh my gosh. Right. Yeah. Like I just think that we know how much we need it, but we forget when we're the ones who are to offer it, yeah. how how powerful it really mm-hmm. is. You know, a flip side of that is when you said, know that I'm okay when my kids aren't okay, is when my kids mess up. Yeah. When my kids do something wrong, what I'm having to learn is that that doesn't make me personally a bad mom. Yeah, that's the worst. You know what I mean? Yes. Like when a mom calls me and is like, hey, I want to talk to you about some text messaging between our kids or some inappropriate stuff. I can. My tendency would be to like, this is all my fault. Yeah. I'm the worst mom that ever lived. She must think I'm the worst mom. Therefore, I am. Instead of you know what? I'm going to trust that this is just, this is life. This is parenting teenagers. Yeah. And I'm not a reflection. I know we are in a sense, but you know what I mean? Like that conversation, that problem is not an immediate reflection of me as her mom. And it goes back to the conversation we just had about how we move through the world. So like if that happened with me, I would, I would filter that conversation with that mom completely through the lens of my feelings. And my first feeling would be shame and embarrassment and all those feelings. And I would be tempted to have that feeling be my truth indicator rather than what you just said, which is I'm okay. In Christ, I'm okay. We still have to deal with this. But it doesn't it doesn't have to mean the thing that I think it uh-huh. should mean based on how I feel about it. Whereas someone in different head like a headspace might think like, oh, I have to figure this out. I have to, you know, and immediately take control of, you know, all the ins and outs of what this might mean. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know? And so I think we do approach even those things differently, but kind of coming to the layer beneath that, which is I'm okay. Yeah. My friend James Bryan Smith says, I am one in whom Christ dwells in the lights, and I live in the strong and unshakable kingdom of God. And that quote 
has changed my life mm. because remembering that his kingdom is unshakable, even though all of this around me is falling apart, but that we are okay. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Okay, guys, I know you're loving my conversation with Emily, but I want to stop real quick and thank some of our sponsors because they make the show possible. My first sponsor I'd like to thank is Smilo, is the new baby brand that takes care of the details so you can focus more on you and your growing family. Smilo brings you the best in feeding, soothing, pregnancy, baby, and toddler products all in one place. Their patented products are designed by doctors, engineers, and parents because as parents, we have a lot to say about what helps our babies the most. Everything is backed up by proven medical claims and all products have a 30-day satisfaction guaranteed. 
Smilo is known for their three-in-one nursing and pregnancy pillow. Bottles, pacifiers, baby lounger, sippy cups, and one-of-a-kind baby bundles and more. I received some of these products. I have saved some at my house because we have friends that come over to our house that need these things. But let me tell you, I kept that three-in-one nursing and pregnancy pillow. And let me tell you, I'm not nursing or pregnant, but it is amazing. And I'm going to gift one to my friend who's pregnant because I need her to have this. The baby lounger is amazing. We gifted a baby lounger to our friends, the Lands. They put their new sweet baby in that and they said she loved it and they loved it as well. One of the things that they loved about it that... Listen, Smilo is telling us about it already, is that it's temperature controlled to reduce the risk of overheating. It has breathable sidewalls to cradle your baby and prevent rollover and an easy to remove and wash cover. And it assembles in seconds, all the things that we need. The pacifiers that they sell are orthodontic supportive shape that promotes a straight smile in your growing baby, size for your baby's growth, ensuring a perfect fit. Guys, purchase expertly designed products for your baby today only at smilobaby.com and use the code HAPPYHOUR for 20% off your order. It is so worth it, you guys. That's smilo, S-M-I-L-O, baby.com. Use the code HAPPYHOUR. Guys, I also want to thank Thomas's English Muffins for helping us bring this podcast to you. They want to know what our ideal morning would look like if anything were possible. So let's play together. How would you get to work? You know what I would really love to do? I would love to bike to work because here's why. I don't really love biking that much, but I think I would feel better about myself. Okay, next question. What kind of Thomas's English muffin breakfast would you have? Y'all, I'm pretty plain with it. I would like one of the light multi-grain muffins. And then we have some avocado butter that I would want to put on top because there is nothing like a warm muffin with melted butter. Are you serious? That's my favorite. Okay, so another question. What are some great ways to weave in exercise at work? Well, I sit a lot. So you know what I could do? I could do halfway jumping jacks at my desk, just my arms. Like I could be recording right now and moving my arms up and down. I'm actually doing it, you guys. So as you're listening, move your arms up and down. We're all exercising. Okay, last question. When you take your dog out, what do you see? You guys, when I take my dogs out, one of my favorite things to do is to watch them run around and play. It brings me so much joy. And of course, if anything would be possible, I would eat a Thomas English muffin topped with an egg, some avocado, a little bit of cheese, and some salsa. That is my kind of breakfast. In fact, I have that recipe just for you. I'm going to post it in the show notes. It's called the Tex-Mex English muffin. Wake up to what's possible. You said you've been studying and kind of diving in and learning more about this phrase, his kingdom. Yeah. What has God been showing you about that? You just mentioned it and it's so true what you just said because it can feel so unsteady sometimes. Yeah. Maybe it feels unsteady in our homes or with our work life or politically or whatever. Yeah. Unsteadiness seems to be abounding right now. What did you mean when you say you're learning and kind of diving into God's kingdom? I was listening to a podcast just, I think it was a week ago, this cultural moment. Mm -hmm. And in that, at one of those episodes, one of the hosts, the co-host said that our culture right now, we want the kingdom without the king. And so we want the peace and the justice and the um, all of the wonderful things that come from the kingdom of God. But we don't really want the king. And I that was so profound to me because I thought, but the kingdom is it the king? The kingdom is all about the king. But I do think we live right now in a culture that is really valuing a lot of the things that Jesus brings and says he's bringing in through the you know in his own kingdom. But 
we kind of don't we kind of don't want him. You know, it's like the kingdom's great, but we don't want the king. And so recognizing that he came to herald in this kingdom. I mean, in in when when Jesus was here, the word gospel was not we hear gospel now and we think Southern Baptist, we think churchy stuff, but that word was a politically charged word. It was it was declaring who was in charge of the thing. Um, it wasn't a religious word. And so when you think about how he came to a particular place at a particular time to bring in his kingdom, it's interesting to study that and how he says that in, in Luke, I think it's Luke 17, where um, Jesus says the kingdom of God is within you. Mm. And I read that just at face value as the kingdom of God is within me in my own heart, my own life. And I think that is true. But the you that he used there was a plural you, and he meant the kingdom of God is within all of you together, talking to the disciples. And what that means for us as the church, um, moving forward, it's it's powerful to consider um, that Jesus— uh, I have a teacher. I'm in grad school right now. I did say yes to going back to school. <sighs> I just can't even believe that. And one of my teachers, Keith Kiesler, he said that Jesus did not leave behind a book. He left behind a people. Mm. And so he left behind a community. And the Bible obviously is important, but he didn't write the Bible while he was here and then give us the Bible. He left these disciples and he trusted the moving forward of the kingdom, the declaring of his reign um, to these like imperfect people who were going to make weird decisions and like move through and might make bad decisions. And and it, would, it was just such a, it seems like an imperfect system. And yet, that's what he's left behind. And so you think about the kingdom only exists when there are an embodied people. Mm. And so what that means for us in our decision-making is that we're not doing this alone. This isn't like a, I'm deciding about these things in my own little family right here for my own life. And it's me, it's based on me making a right or wrong decision. It's like, no, this is actually a bigger thing. And that we are um, a part of something that's bigger than we are. And it's the kingdom of God. And that also an interesting verse that I've been thinking about is how Scripture says that the Son of Man came eating and drinking. Um, and and what that means for community, that we are with one another and within God and His kingdom and how it all kind of works together. And it's just an interesting concept when I think about I think we make decisions the point, and in fact, they're rarely the point. Usually mm. that secondary union with God and connection with people is truly the point. And we have that because He is in us. Absolutely. So we have that connection. Yes. That's beautiful. I I, I love that, just that whole conversation and that idea of thinking um, about what God, how He left that for us to yeah. help us, even when we're talking about making decisions, the next right thing, that we actually, we as Christ followers, we can't leave out the fact that we do have... God in us, Absolutely. the Holy Spirit in us to help us with those decisions. Um, one of the things that I know you're passionate about and you talk about is helping women understand that what they're doing right now, writer, teacher, mothering, whatever that job, whatever their calling is, is that it's important and that it helps them flourish. Um, let's talk about that for a second, because I think sometimes women can feel, and men listen to the show as well, and I think men can maybe feel look through this through a different lens. So we'll just speak here to women. Can feel maybe selfish sometimes. Yeah. In chasing after, we'll use the word dreams or ideas or even passions and talents. Yeah. What do you have to say to women who might be feeling as though, I feel like I have this God-given gift, but I feel selfish using it. 
Where does that come from, right? Where does that come from? Where does that come from? I wrote a blog post, this is years ago, about this very thing, sort of about, you know, I think it might have been specifically about writing at that time, but that was bigger than that, a little bit creativity and the whole thing. And I got an email from a woman who said, who told me about her life. She told me about her family and her kids growing and all the busyness. And then at the end of the email, I think it might have even been in a PS, like, oh, by the way, she said, I've always wanted to write, um, And whenever I see other people doing that, like, you know how when you have a thing and you want to do it and you see other people doing it, she said, I always think I wish I could do that thing. And then she said, but this season of my life won't necessarily afford me the pleasure of indulging in my wildest dreams. And so I thought, because I asked her, I'm like, well, why are you not, why are you not just writing? And and that was her response was just this season of my life won't afford me the pleasure of indulging my wildest dreams. And I thought, that's so interesting that she called writing a wild dream. Like, let's just dissect that for a minute. Like to me, like a wild dream, like I want to go to Hollywood and (laughs) I'm going to win an Oscar. Like, you know, that seems crazy. That's a reality. Right. But like, just to write, like, just get a pencil out and start writing. Like Uh you can do it. And so I think, you know, obviously she meant something bigger than that, but I thought, you know, could it be possible though, that the thing that you most long to do, the thing that you feel pulled towards and called to is not actually something that you're making up, but is actually an invitation that's been placed within you by the God whose image you bear. And you've been invited to move into the world in a way that you've been uniquely designed to do. Mm. And in fact, the selfish action would not be you moving towards that thing, but would actually be you keeping it to like yourself. Like it to yourself. Yeah. I can't, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I asked her these questions because it's what I do. And she was like, it could be possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it could be possible. But I think we're so afraid of that desire because— um, we have this sort of a mixed bag of motives sometimes. And we think like, well, until my motives are completely clear and I don't want any fame and I don't want any attention, I have to be, then I can't do the thing. And it's like, guess what? Welcome to the human race. We are going to move through this life and we might want some weird attention sometimes. But that, and, and then other times we might be completely free of our weird motives, but we have to just keep moving through. We have to trust that Jesus is smart and intuitive enough and loving enough to let us know when we're being crazy, right? It's so true. So let's just do the thing. Just keep walking one step in front of the other and see yes. what happens. I remember feeling I've always wanted to be like a talk show host or interview people. And I just, I kind of felt like that woman. And to a sense, I was parent a little bit different than putting a pencil to a paper. Um, but I remember thinking, I didn't go to school for this. Is this could happen? And then I look back, you know, looking back on the past nine years of my life, I see God putting things in motion and me just kind of taking a step and doing it. And these wildest dreams that I had are actually giftings that He's given me. Yes. And then when you just said, this is so true, and I'm so glad you said this, that some people struggle with feeling like, well, if I do this, then I'm like, I'm wanting attention or I'm wanting this. I remember when I was thinking about writing a book. I told my friend Annie, I love this story. I was like, I just don't know that I can write a book uh, because I know that deep down I have these deep sin struggles of wanting to be known and what if I become famous and then I'll be prideful and then I just won't even love Jesus anymore. And she looked at me and said basically what you just said, like, are you really going to let like some struggles that you have keep you from doing what God's asked you to do? She said, if no one ever wrote a book that struggled with that, we'd have no books. We would have zero books. Zero. No, there would be nothing. There would be no books. Because I think as creatives too, there are these struggles that you have to fight, but you have to kind of know how to fight them and still let your creativity flourish. Yeah, that's part of, that is part of the call. Mm. And it is being, um, and it's a sacrifice and it's a burden, but our burdens can also be our gifts if we let them be. And I think 
to go into it thinking that you're not going to struggle with some of these weird things um, is really naive way to go into it. And knowing what the job is before you head into it, and then having people in your life who can help you remain normal and remain grounded is so key to that, is so key to that. So you you do a lot to help writers succeed. I, help, I hope to. You yes. do. I'm yes. saying, yes, you do. Um, if someone's listening, and I've talked about this before on the show, um, but if someone's listening and they're thinking, like that email that you got, my wildest dreams would be to write. You want to help them with that, don't you? I do. We have created, I've, I've co-founded with my sister. She started out, my sister, my dad, and our friend Brian Dixon, who's a whiz marketing guy, um, this was almost four years ago, we started a membership site called Hope Writers. And it was the, it, and my sister's not in it anymore. She's been out for about a year when she, she started writing Cozy Minimalism. She was like, you know, I've got to, I just got to talk about house stuff now, which I fully respect. <laughs> She's doing what she does She's really doing well. What she yes. does really well. She's like, I think I'm done talking about writing. I think I've said all the things. <laughs> so the three of us, dad and Brian and I have continued it on. And, um, and really we exist to help writers pivot from um, writing in private to writing for a reader. And oftentimes when I get emails, because for so many years, I got so many, I'm sure you get this to people asking like, you know, how did you get started? How did you write a book? How did, you know, I want to learn more about writing. And I often have to ask them to clarify, do you mean you want to know more about writing or do you want to know more about publishing? One is art, the other is business. And we get into a lot of trouble when we try to combine those two. That's when we start to get really disillusioned and really frustrated. And we start to um, feel like, oh, well, they're just selling out because of the thing it's like, well, there's writing and there's art and craft. There's also publishing. There's a business. This and so is good, Emily. You have to remember the difference. And that's the way that that will keep you healthy in this business is remembering keeping those teams two things separate. Um, and in Hope Writers, that's where we help people um, carry both of those realities at the same time and to continue to write meaningful words without sacrificing their meaningful life. And so we open just three, three times a year so that we can serve our members better. So we have like three launch periods a year um, at HopeWriters.com. And so we just help writers. We help to train writers, understand the business of writing um, and publishing, and we bring in um, experts every week. So we basically have like a tiny, we have like a, a writer's conference all year long it's online. It's so great. Yeah. I love what you guys are doing. Now I have a question for you. Yeah. This is intriguing my curiosity. Okay. You said the two different, the writing, you said writing for a craft. Yeah. Right. And then you said publishing. Yes. We can put those together, right? We do. We have to. Okay. Because that's how we make books. That's, that's how we, how sell we make books. books. Okay. Right. So is that a struggle for some people to put them together? I think it's a struggle for most people. Okay. I think it is because um, what happens is you get people like me, Enneagram 4s, who are like, well, I just write for the soul of it. <laughs> right. And this, my writing is authentic. And all you people who are trying to sell your work, you've all, that is not authentic. You've sold out. You've sold you've out. You've left the craft and right. you just want to make money. It's like, well, who are some of your favorite writers? Guess who you never would have heard of if they had not been willing to market their words. So, you know, all these writers who have done the things that we long to do, to emulate, you know, Madeline Lingle and all these, you know, writers who have these beautiful words that have written, well, they had to understand the business side of publishing. They had to be willing to believe in their words enough to talk about them with other people. Because guess who can't read your words? People who don't know they exist. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And so we have to be willing to share them. But there are a lot of things, especially in certain personality types. Some It's easier for some than others. There are a lot of things we have to go through in order to feel peace with certain things. Because what might be really comfortable for you, Jamie Ivey, might not be as comfortable for me. It doesn't mean one of us is right or wrong. It's so true. It just means my gifting and my personality doesn't lend itself well to that way of sharing. It doesn't mean I shouldn't share, though. It means I have to find a way that feels like me so that I can get these words that I believe are so important into the world. I was talking with Brian Zond, who's a writer and a 
pastor, he's a pastor of a mega church, and he said, and I don't even believe in mega churches. <laughs> yeah, his church is mega. Like, yeah. he can't help it, yeah. right? And so he's well, like— also because here's my thing. When people are like, I hate mega churches. Right. They didn't start out as a mega church. They didn't start out that they way. They started out with 10 people in a living room. That's so, exactly okay. what he said. That's says. a soapbox I get on. That's yes. exactly what he said. And he's like, I don't even believe in this concept, but yet here I am. Because you—yes. So I asked him, because I knew he was a four on the Enneagram, and I was like, listen, tell me because I know that you probably are one who, like, bucks against the whole, like, marketing the—you know, I was like, tell me, like, what you know? How do you reconcile this feeling of wanting to be like this authentic writer, but then also wanting to sell books, yeah. wanting people to 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 believe in what you're saying? And he and he said to me, he was like, "Well, do you like what you write?" And I said, "Yeah." And he said, "Do you believe in your words?" And I said, like, "Yeah." He goes, "Sell the crap out of it! Like you have to do this. Like this is it's just it's a mindset shift." And I think there's a lot of. Um, angst that can happen in a lot of us. Now, some people listening might be like, what are you talking about? Like, it's so easy. Like, just, you know, yeah. you just share your thing. Yeah. But there are a lot of us who we have to go through a lot of soul work in order to come to a place and right, soul work. Yeah. where it's comfortable for us. And I think we do have to pay attention. If, you, if, you're, if your intuition is telling you that's not good for you, don't do that then by all Listen means. But there are so many ways to talk about your work and to share your work because it's not about me showing up and saying, here I am. It's about coming into the room and saying, there you are. I made something for you. Would you like, here it is. I love that. It's so true. It's so true. And I think anyone that creates art, that this is kind of what they're having to deal with. And yeah. I believe, you know, when I think about my book, to me, I don't struggle talking about it because I actually really believe in the message. Yep. Which is what that pastor it's the whole was saying. Thing. It's yep. the whole thing. Of I think it's not, I don't want you to walk away from the book like, oh, I love Jamie. Like my hope is you're like, I love Jesus more after yeah. reading this book. And so I think that helps me. Good. Now, if I ever write a book that I don't really believe in the message, which I hope I never do, because right. that would be really bad, <laughs> then it would be a more of a struggle, you know. For sure. But then I would I would have definitely sold out if that ever happens. Yeah. You can call me out on that, Emily. You'd be like, do you believe in this message? Jamie, this is awful. <laughs> it's the worst thing I've ever read. Um, okay, Emily, tell me what you hope people to get out of the next right thing. I would love it if we could stop being so afraid of making the wrong decision. I think that maybe people might come to the book or this message, this idea, wanting to make a decision. And I and I hope that this book helps them do that. But But more than that, I hope that on the other side of it, that it will sort of release some of the pressure that we have of the black and white world that we often live in. In fact, the book is black and white. And is it just like the podcast cover? It's just like the podcast cover. I love cover. it. Yeah, it's just like, so hopefully that's, but it's almost like um, the opposite of, I almost hope that people come away a little more comfortable in the gray at the end of it and that they remember that the point is really, the decision is really the point that really the point is union with God and creating space for our souls so that we can discern our next right thing in love. I really, that would be thrilling to me if if we weren't so afraid of making the wrong choice. And we remember that with our friend Jesus, sometimes he's like, you know what? Either thing is going to be great. Let's do it together. Mm. You know, it's going to be good for all of us sixes who we don't trust ourselves. Oh yeah. So I always am second guessing a decision, always. Mm -hmm. I will make a decision and then three days later go, I just, I don't know if I made the right decision, but it's done. Yeah. I mean, I, I do that. This is going to sound awful. In restaurants, after I make my food order. Jamie, me too. I wonder to myself, did I get the best thing possible? Right. And then I'm frustrated if I think someone else got something better. Better. And do, oh, I've already regretted it. It yes. hasn't even come yet. <laughs> and I, know. I know. So I need help with my decision making in all <laughs> of my life. Um, Emily, I am super excited about your book. I love your podcast already. I'm going to listen to it on audio, your book, because I need you to read it to me. I'm going to read it to you. To you. I'll do it. Good, good, good. Now, we always ask people, what are you loving and what are you reading? Okay. 
So I'm loving Victoria, that show. Yeah, I don't know this. Queen Victoria and Prince Albert. It's like, you know, real. Okay. Mm-hmm. But it's a show. Mm-hmm. It's so good, Jamie. <laughs> you have to watch that. That's good. And the and just even just it watch Netflix? it. It's it's it might be Amazon Prime. Okay. I got it. But it's um even just the beginning music, even just for that, just get the soundtrack. Okay. Start with that. Okay. <laughs> so good. I write to it. It's fantastic. Oh, yay. Right? It's good to have that. What you, what music did you write this book to? I have a playlist that I created and the Victoria soundtrack is on it. Um, and I also have, who else is on it? The Weepies. Um, who else is on it? Did you listen to the soundtrack the whole time? I listened to the soundtrack. Anytime I sat down to work on the book, I listened to the this particular this playlist. Playlist, Yes. Such a great idea. I did because, and now, like, if I turn it on, it's, like, weird because mm-hmm. it's not like the right thing. Uh-huh. Right, right, right. I need to make a playlist. Do you, it's so funny who I listen to the most when I wrote my book. It is, like, it's embarrassing a little bit because it's not Christian at all. <laughs> John Mayer. Nice. I know. I listened to John Mayer almost yep. through writing the entire book. Which is so weird to me. You're always going to have that. I, I think of John <laughs> every time I think of the book. Okay, so you're loving Victoria. Love Victoria. I love, I'm kind of on a weird kick with clogs right now. Like clog shoes. Yeah. Like Lada's, Lada's from Stockholm. I, I have one pair and another pair. While I'm here with you, Jamie Ivy, they're being delivered to me, I think, at my house. I do not own one pair of clogs. They're just, I don't know what my weird obsession is. Like I just, I'm trying to find the best ones, the most comfortable ones. They're super cute. They're really cute. and But it's like you're walking on wood. Like, that's not right. It shouldn't be comfortable. But it is. But somehow, it mm. is. Okay. Depends on the clog, though, because okay. they're not all created equal. So it's important to, like, okay. do your research. Who's your favorite? Right now, I've found Lada's to be my favorite. I've, I've had an Ugg pair that I got from ThreadUp, which is like a, you know. I know ThreadUp, okay, yes. Okay, ThreadUp, fantastic. Mm-hmm. I got a pair of Uggs that are Ugg clogs, which is weird. Okay. They have fur on the inside. It's fascinating. Um, do you like that? I don't love it because my feet get sweaty and I'm not a fan of that. But they're like um, mule clogs. It's like they're kind of open. Okay. So that helps. Okay. But it's like, it's kind of counterintuitive, like fur, but they're like sandals. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) Keep the sweat. Okay. Okay. So Victoria clogs. And then I've been using this powder dry shampoo that my friend Arian makes with, she has like this little business called Some Call Me Crunchy. And listen, I'm not a big dry shampoo fan because the spray kind like makes your hair fall out. (laughs) For it's real? It's true. My hairdresser told me that. Okay. She was like, no, actually, self. it's not good for your hair to use. I have a hard time with dry shampoo because, c- carry on. Tell me why you love this. Well, hers is like a powder. Look, we're both touching our heads right now. <laughs> hers is a powder. And it's just, it's got, it's natural. She uses like, you know, like essential oils and like like cocoa powder. And like, you know, she has a one for blonde hair and one for brown yes. hair. And um, it's just, it's just nice. And and it, then you don't have to wash your hair as often. I will say Lauren Scruggs was on the show before and her and her sister develop a product like this that I like. Really? And so I bet I would like this as too. See, it's, it's just powder. It, like you shake it. But yes. blonde people have used, been using baby powder for years. That's But smart. we can't we use can't this. We can't do that. No, we can't put that in our hair. So we got brown. We, we got have brown, brown hair. hair. Yeah. 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 Okay. What are you reading? All my books I'm reading right now are for school. So I'm like looking forward to a time when I can read fiction books. Tell me what you're going to school for. I'm getting my master's in spiritual formation and leadership okay. at Friends University in Wichita, Kansas. It's fantastic. All online program. I'm taking it. Since it's all you- online except we, and we have like weekly classes where we see each other's faces on Zoom. So it's like you're together, you know, these yeah. days. Uh-huh. But we do go out there once per semester for like a week-long residency. Okay. And so we kind of work with the same people and it's it's a really lovely program. But I'm about to graduate. So this is my <gasps> last semester. I know. It's very exciting. And then what? 
and then I take a break. Okay. Okay. <laughs> then I don't know what, but I feel like I, it's been, it's been a lovely time of learning. I feel like I'm just kind of a lifelong learner. I was going to say, you so, seem like a learner. I'm a learner and I, and I enjoy that. So I will miss it, but I will be glad it's over. Yeah. Um, but so right what do you want to read? Or, okay, you can well, tell me what you're reading. Right now, I'm one book I'm reading right now that I would read even if I wasn't in school is one called Recapturing the Wonder by Mike Cosper. Okay. And it's a fantastic book about how we have lost our sense of enchantment um, in our lives, really. Not just Christian, but like in the world. We've sort of, it's everything is more like, well, it's just, if it's not fact, then it's not true. And, you know, he sort of brings back this idea of not necessarily fairy tales and, you know, magic in the sense of that thing exactly, but the posture that we have lost of embracing some things that happen in our imagination and sort of how that can inform our life with God. Mm -hmm. And so that's been a fascinating, he's a great writer. It's been a fascinating read um, for me. And it's one that I probably want to read again when I don't have to when read you're not it so having quickly. to learn it, yeah. yeah, yeah. What do you? Are you looking forward to reading anything when you're kind of off Fiction. this summer? I yeah. love the Louise Penny series, the Inspector Gamache. Uh-huh. It's like a cozy murder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like warm, cozy murder. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Jamie. It's like a nice murder. It's like a nice murder. <laughs> it's friendly murder. Yes. Um. So I've read a couple of hers, but I had to stop because of school. Okay. And so it's like a whole series that I started, and so I really look forward to. I'm hoping this summer to pick that back to up to get back with the characters. Yep. Yeah. Emily, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. I am I'm super excited about your book. I love what you're doing. I love what you guys are doing with Hope Writers. Yeah. It is something that I would have jumped into two feet first six years ago. Me too. And just, I would have soaked up everything that you guys, not that I can't now, but yeah. you know what I'm saying? Right, right. But I mean, especially when you're starting out. Especially then, I would have devoured your content. And so thank you for doing that because I know it's a it's a big help for women and men who are wanting to join this space with us. And so congrats on your book. Thanks, girl. Congrats on your podcast. Thank you. So thanks for joining us. It's been so fun. All right, friends, picture yourself biting into a warm and chewy Thomas's English muffin covered in melted butter. Is your mouth watering yet? Good. Now, my question for you, is it possible to make a butter hot tub? Yes, it's called a Thomas's English muffin, and it's possible thanks to the nooks and crannies texture. Thomas's, wake up to what's possible. You guys, I loved having Emily join me back on the show again for a second time. Don't forget, The Next Right Thing releases on April 2nd. Remember, you can pre-order this book on Amazon right now. When you do that, you can gain access to some incredible things from Emily. So go check that out right now. You guys, I also wanna share with you, for those of you that are Patreon subscribers, first of all, thank you again. It's so much fun with you. But this past week, Aaron and I interviewed Suzanne and Joe Sabil, and I am not lying to you when I tell you it might be one of my favorite interviews I've ever done in my entire life. You're going to have access to it when it releases if you are a part of our members-only page. Our next mini-series is going to be on marriage, and Joe and Suzanne are going to be our first people that we release a show to you about marriage. It's so much fun, and the extra shows that we're creating for you are amazing. Also, we so appreciate the support that we're getting from you guys. Literally, your support helps us make more shows for you, and we love doing that. I love giving you more shows, and you love the content, so it's a win-win for everybody. If you're interested in joining, check out jamieivy.com slash Patreon. Again, I've given you a thousand links in this show. They're all in our show notes. So go to jamieivy.com. You're going to find the show notes there. Today's show was edited by Chris with Podshaper, and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Next week, my guest is Shruti Parker. 
Shruti and her husband live in Austin. They go to my church and I met with her a couple months ago for coffee and she shared her story with me. And I said, I've got to share this story with my listeners. She's a blogger. She started following Jesus in college. She comes from an Indian family. And so there were so many dynamics that came into her becoming a Christian. You're gonna love the show. Guys, enjoy your week. Share the show with a girlfriend. Have a happy hour with a friend. And if you're gonna be in Orlando this week or Visaya, California, I might just run into you. Guys, see you next week.